0: I've always said, when you take professional boxers, most of them come with not a lot of education, let's be honest. Uh, there's a few exceptions, but very few. They come from very working. You know, getting hit in the face every day is not easy. So, you know, most people wouldn't put up with it, would they, you know, mummy and daddy, you sort, you sort something out, but I don't have to do that. I think if business people had the same approach as professional phone, with the sacrifices, the discipline, the lifestyle, the, determination. I don't know how they firewink is. As
1: 2022 draws to a close, we thought we'd round up the year by having some extracts from some of our most popular podcast guests. One of my personal favourites was with legendary boxing promoter Barry Hearn. I knew it was going to be a good one, but I've got to say, in person, Barry just massively blew any sort of expectations I had. It was just laced with knowledge. Barry is just such a fascinating guy definitely one of the shrewdest people i've ever met in my entire life he's someone that learned from an early age that failure was not an option and that whatever he set his mind to he could achieve he spoke with such honesty and candor and i really feel like we got to know the man behind the empire if you haven't listened to the full episode and you like what you hear from this extract make sure you go back and give it a listen because it's absolute gold enjoy
0: I knew early doors that I was no academic, I was never going to be a genius, I was never going to be, I don't know, a Stephen Fry of wonderful words and poetry and prose, although I'd acted in in the plays, but I knew that if I put my mind to something, no one could beat me, because I would go further, at any level, than anyone else. And that's really what drove me forward, because that inability to accept any type of defeat. And actually, even when you failed, the ability to compartmentalise your failure into a part of your brain that you flush down the toilet. So you learn it, you've absorbed the learning, but you don't ever remember it. You don't ever take notice of it. You don't ever admit to it. You have to position yourself in a position of strength or your enemies or your competition will use that against you.
1: I, I was like because you play down, I think, your um, your business acumen, really. Mm. Does the kind of working class baraboy persona help to disarm your enemies?
0: Totally. Don't get too smart. Yeah. No, I'm saying to you. Because you've got too smart there, because you're absolutely spot on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I
0: don't like people to know that. So you know now Let they do. Dare. But you know, no, you don't, don't you dare, don't you dare. You see. You're always looking for an advantage. Mm-hmm. 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%. Where do you get an advantage from? Some people are just naturally smarter. But that doesn't mean to say they understand business. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, Hugh McElvenny wrote an article on me many, many years ago, one of the great Fleet Street writers, who, who said, and I think he summed me up perfectly, Barry Hearn is equally at home on the in the boardroom as he is on the cobbles. Mm -hmm. and that mixture gives me a tremendous advantage against a lot of people. Some people are roughhouses and and physically and dangerous or whatever, but they're not as smart as me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Other people are much smarter than me, but they can't look after themselves. So I'm in sort of in the middle ground. Mm -hmm. So whichever way the tide of business goes or the way the thoughts of the world are changing, I can adapt like a comedian. So if you want me to be posh, you want me to be the really nice, I can do it. Mm-hmm. If you want me to be a rough house, I can do it. Mm-hmm. You just want me to be me, it's a mixture of the two, the normal person. But we're all playing roles, we're all acting, aren't we, to a certain extent. Yeah. It's the image you portray, and we're all our own self-publicists, aren't we? The way we act, the way we run our relationships in business and outside business. People know, over a period of time, they know... If they phone me, I know they have money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They want to spend money. So now it's a question of can I create something that's going to be of interest to them? But the first hurdle was already overcome. Mm-hmm. They're there, ready. I can only mess it up from that stage. Yeah. So when you do look at people's lives and the way it expands, we're governed by our parents, we're governed by our circumstance, and then it just develops during a period of time through experience and through different things happening at you. And that's where you find out how good you are. Mm -hmm. Can you cope with changing circumstances, good or bad? You know, I mean, we've all been through COVID for Christ's sake. I mean, that's the worst with it. I mean, I've done, I think, three recessions, one banking crisis and COVID. And COVID was the worst, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But what I learned along the way put me in a position where COVID wasn't a problem. We had to be more creative, more innovative. We had to work a little bit harder. We had to go beyond the boundaries and we did. Mm-hmm. And we came out of it a far stronger business than we went in for it, mm-hmm. which is another lesson to learn. Yeah. So, you know, no one's got every answer. No one's the smartest kid on the planet. Just be the best you can be. I've always said, when you take professional boxers. Most of them come with not a lot of education, let's be honest. Uh, there's a few exceptions, but very few. They come from very working class. You know, getting hit in the face every day is not easy. So, you know, most people wouldn't put up with it, would they? You know, mummy and daddy will- sort sort something out but I don't have to do that I think if business people had the same approach as professional funds with the sacrifices the discipline the lifestyle the determination I don't know how they'd fail in business Mm -hmm. they need a bit of guidance perhaps on just the edges on the financials and things like that but when I watch them it's just the same which is why i think that business and sport are so inextricably linked because the same rules apply yeah. if you really want to be a success don't just talk about it do something about it if you want to be a top boxer you want to be a top athlete you have to put the work in you have to or you're not going to do it mm-hmm. and people know that straight away so if you've got the same approach to business you'll be a man you'll be a success whatever you know, and how big will depend on other factors like right place, right.
1: Well, there's a lot to unpack there, and I want to go into that because I know you, you talk a lot about luck, but just just go back to that competitive element and the fact that you do always put one hundred percent in mm. it to, to the point where you literally give yourself nosebleeds because you do not stop. Regardless of that, you you and Eddie, like you're literally his biggest cheerleader, aren't you? And we were kind of joking Mm. before we hit record because Mm. all of his life Eddie's been Barry Hearn's son and the last couple of years you you were sort of joking so you walk into the boxing arena and people say, oh, there's Barry, Eddie Hearn's dad. Mm. And there's been that transition, but you absolutely love that.
0: I think we've embraced it and I think that's essential because the worst thing you can ever have, and I have seen it plenty of times with dads living their life through their sons, especially in sport, Without the qualification of being a top trainer or whatever, you know. But they know what they want because they wanted it themselves. And you end up with a, a, a bad competition element where the father wants the son to do the things that he didn't do or or to be better at something or or not. sometimes not even to be as good as them because they can't stand the competition. Yeah. There has to be love in the room. Mm-hmm. And the love is be as good as you can be. be and that overflows into everything. I don't care what happens to my son, as long as he is the best he can be Mm. and I'll take everything else, whatever, because I'm his dad Mm -hmm. and he's like that with me, you know. I mean, I'm still so competitive on everything without any justification Mm -hmm. because, frankly, I'm getting old, (laughs) but I still give 110%. So inevitably, you know, I get injured all the time. It don't stop me trying. Mm -hmm. And as you get more older, you get more reflective. What do I really want? I'm 74. My God, I've, I'm, I'm never going to be short of a pound, note. What do I really want? And it's that adrenaline. And whether that adrenaline is playing, you know, low-degree cricket in the Essex over 70s, or whether it's playing against Eddie for 50 quid, 18 holes of golf round, we're trying to kill each other, uh, or whether it's building a business or launching a new sport, or... That is the adrenaline, but the actual participation is another level. And that's why, regretfully, I'm weak enough to say I'll probably swap it all to be everyweight champion in the world for one, for one day.
1: <laughs> for one day only. <laughs> I love that because you've been master of reinvention for, for over 40 years to, mm. to, to not just survive in business, but to, to thrive, to excel, to dominate. Yeah, really? Um, What
0: do you think has been the main driver in that? I think working class people that come out of certain conditions are always fearful of going back. Mm -hmm. You know, when you do okay, you sort of keep it close. I mean, I have always tell everybody, and most of them sensible ones listen to me, when you're successful, first thing, first thing, pay your mortgage off. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you've always got a roof over your head, and that is really working class traditions. Because we're always frightened. As yeah, we've you know we've done well, we've, we've had it off, as we might say, but we don't want anyone to take it off us. Yeah. So, what do we do? We, I mean, a lot of working class families in the old days, maybe they buy a bit of gold and put it away in the wardrobe or something mm-hmm. like that. It's a rainy day fund, isn't it? Yeah. So that, after a period of time, it's, it's less likely. And of course, it gets to a certain stage where it depends what you want to do with your life and your money. You know, what I want to do is live another day. Pound notes come, pound notes go. Mm -hmm. I want to live another day. So I will push myself every single day and I will not take any notice of anyone who tries to be sensible with me because I'm not going to be sensible.
1: What do you mean by sensible?
0: Take it easy. People keep saying to me, take it easy. You've done it. Sit down. Do this, do that. Do you think I'm where I am now because I had that add I could have taken it easy 40 years ago. Where would we have been now? Well, we'd have been okay, I'm sure. Family. I'm sure Eddie would have done great. Katie, my daughter, is unbelievably talented on the yeah. television side. They'd have all been great without me. Yeah. They'd be bigger and better with me. You have this, this journey in life where, I mean, obviously there's peaks and troughs, but you, you try and level it out as much as you can mentally. So what they say, if you take adversity in the same way as you take success, you'll be a better person, you know, which is, I think, so true. But you're also governed by your own targets, you know, and it's like, I remember my dad coming home uh, when his money went up to 20 pounds a week. It was like a family celebration. It was like, and he was really, you know, I've been really happy. My pocket money went up from two shillings to two and sixpence a week. I was very happy as well. But that sort of personal target actually can also be a career setback for you because you sometimes you pitch your targets too low mm-hmm. I remember a friend of mine told me years ago I asked him I wonder if I could tell you his name would he, would he be upset about it he might do but anyway he's a very big player and he, I said to him Richard his name's Richard Desmond
1: <laughs> we got it
0: where yeah. is it <laughs> Very, very skillful operator. Not everyone's cup of tea, but technically very good. I said, what's your your target? We're having dinner one night. What what are you in this world for? Because I see him getting more and more successful. He wanted to impress his mum, which I found nice, because if my mother had been alive, I would want to impress her as well. Mm. He said, I want to be a billionaire. He said, "That, that would really impress my mum. And years later, We sat down having a dinner again. And I said, how are you doing? On the old billionaire approach. Because I said, I think that's a bit sad, putting a monetary value on something, you know. But I suppose we all do it in some way. And I said, how how are you doing? And he said, "Um, "Ah, I pissed it. Much too easy a target. And I thought to myself, isn't that great? Isn't that great? So even at that level, sometimes you underestimate yourself. And some people just want to have a nice life. I mean, I always say... Don't let's concentrate just on entrepreneurs. I mean, there are people out there that want to do a certain job. They have a calling. Mm-hmm. You know, some people want to be nuns. Some people want to be doctors, nurses, yeah. teachers. They all do fantastic things. Mm-hmm. And that's their world. I don't, I don't criticise it. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, don't criticise me. We all have our own targets. Mm-hmm. The danger for me in those early days was I probably thought, I've cracked this. Mm-hmm. The day you think you've cracked something is the day you go back.
1: because it it wasn't all plain ceiling obviously that was that was the birth of of Matt but you know, in any story of greatness, there's always well, uh, there, there's always the setbacks and you saw this huge opportunity you were watching what was going on in the States. Yeah. At the time we only had a couple of channels, we had very limited exposure to, to sport on television. You knew that mm. that was going to change and you wanted to be primed and ready to maximise that opportunity.
0: And I was a few years ahead we're of in, my time yeah, to, <laughs> which cost the, me a lot of money.
1: But, but going back to something you said earlier, so you talk about this in the book, you, you, you pretty much lost all the money that you you had, yeah. you'd previously made and, and owed the bank million. a significant amount but you had bought assets yeah. you know you were never going to go fully back to the start you had mascots yeah. you had yeah. properties but he got pretty dicey and you said something in the book Um. in fact i've got it got it written down you're like i'm not here to share my problems i'm here to solve my problems you had a snooker event in the january which needed funding people were completely oblivious about the extent of your financial troubles yeah it's christmas eve Mm. hey guys it's ellie and i'm super excited to share that i'm partnering up with one of my favorite brands ag1 by athletic green i'm asked all the time about the one thing that i do to take care of my health And in reality, there's so many to choose from. But if I could only pick one, it would be Athletic Greens because it ticks so many boxes. Life can get pretty hectic. As a busy mum of three, I know firsthand how easy it is to let your nutrition slip, especially when you're always on the go or traveling. It's easy to neglect the thing that's the most important to us, and that's our health. Since I started taking AG1, it's been a game changer. My energy levels have been through the roof. My hair and skin feel amazing, my digestion's improved, and I'm even sleeping better. It's a real deal. The ingredients are sourced from the highest quality producers from around the world. But what I love most about it is that all my nutritional bases are covered with one scoop. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and probiotics, which means it's replaced a ton of other supplements that was previously taken. It's my secret weapon. It helps me show up as the best version of myself every single day, all from adding one simple habit. But don't just take my word for it. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash on a mission. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash on our mission. Check it out. Four o'clock.
0: Dickens, oh, this Christmas is this is a Dickens story, it's, isn't it? It's
1: <laughs> snowing, you're on your arse, basically. Yeah, you, yeah. You've given up, you've mentally checked out. I think you referred to it, you're in the 11th round, you're, yeah. down, you're down on points. Yeah. You, you've got no um, no fight left in you. Your final appointment, uh, your your, your namesake as well, I think it was uh, Alan Hearns. Yeah, well. yeah, no relation. No yeah. And uh, what, what happened then?
0: I think it's... Uh, the first thing to say about that situation is, there's times when you have to look at yourself in the mirror, which I do all the time. I have these weird conversations with myself in a mirror. you know. Not every day, but every now and again. If I need to tell tell someone the truth, if I need to hear the truth back, I know I can rely on myself. So when things are going well, we celebrate. When things are not going well, we celebrate. <laughs> So you keep it to yourself because those around you don't need to, maybe you've made mistakes, which I'm sure I did. Um, like, as you say, with the sports, I saw what ESPN was doing in America and said, this is only a matter of time. Yeah. I was probably two, maybe three years too early in terms of creating events and getting into that type of business before there was proper money in sport. That's the strength of it. Um, but, Looking back on it, had I waited that two or three years' time, I wouldn't have had the start I had. So by the time Sky launched in 1990, of course, other things were happening in my life as well, Uh, everything suddenly looked rosier. But going back to that day in, I think it was the winter of, I'm going to say 88, something around that time, I was battered. I owed the bank millions my wife didn't know anything about it because it wasn't a problem. The attitude is, if you're a proper proper player, you solve your own problems. You don't ask for help. You don't, you know. So I was going through that. I would have loved some help, by the way, but there was no one to give me any. So, and I had a the Premier Snooker League. I think it was then called the European Snooker League. was starting at the end of January. I needed three hundred thousand pounds sponsor and I didn't have one and the whole country was in recession and no one wanted to spend anything. I had a good relationship with Lord Forte uh, and some people that worked for him. Um, Nice, nice guys and we'd done bits and pieces, but no one else was talking to me. It was Christmas Eve, by the way. Four o'clock I got off a train at Slough station it started snowing. I mean, you couldn't write the script. It, looked, it was pathetic, really. And my heart just wasn't in it, as you say, like a boxer. I've been battered for the 11 rounds of the couple of years before. And whilst I'm always enthusiastic and always go the extra mile, sometimes there's a wall in front and you, you can't get through. I was as close as I could be to saying, do you know what, I'm a chartered accountant, I'm quite smart, I'm never going to starve, I am go back into accounts, so you get a job with me. Pricewaterhouse, KPMG, whatever. I mean, I'm smart. I know that. But I didn't want to do that. So I gave this pitch to this guy called Alan Hearn, who was the chief executive. And it was a terrible pitch. I mean, I could feel it. You know, I'm a salesman as well. You know, so I know when I'm buzzing and when I'm putting across enthusiasm and emotion and reasoning and, and sometimes you think, God, this is shit and it sounds like shit and it sounds like shit to me. What's it going to sound like to you? And probably, instead of doing 20 minutes, I probably did 12 and I'm like, nah, this is, this is just not for me. And I, I finished off and Alan looked at me and he said, you must really need this. He said, it's Christmas Eve. And I thought, you know, and the secret again is always tell the truth. I said, As I do. I really do. He said, well, I've got no money. So I thought, well, that's it. You know, someone, my corner has just thrown the towel in. And they've seen what's going on and no one deserves this. So take it like a, you know, a proper man. So I just said, Mr. Hearn, I appreciate that. Thank you for your time. Let me wish you and your family happy Christmas, successful New Year. Turn around to walk out. And as I got towards the door, he said, but I've got hotel rooms. He's got my attention. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, I've got no money. I said, no, i got that bit. He said, but I like this. He said, but I can't give you £300,000 in cash. I'll give you £300,000 in hotel rooms. Well, at that time, Lord Forty owned Sandy Lane in Barbados, Plaza Athenae in New York, Jules uh, Sank in Paris, Waldorf Hotel in London, top quality. So that 300000 was real, you know, in value. And we shook hands on it. And on the way back from his office to Slough Station, I sold a lot to the people I knew in the travel business who trusted me to be able to deliver. And, and I gave them a 40% discount. And they gave me £180,000. And that £180,000 not only saved my company, it saved me. Because it proved to me, you're walking back, you look in the mirror and you go, you've only gone and done it you've only gone and got out of the deepest mire ever. How have you? And it's Christmas Eve and it's Christmas with the kids and all of a sudden there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming towards you. And it was a statement of character that has never left me and that was the most, business-wise, probably the most important part of why we are what we are because we don't accept defeat. We've got bloody close, frankly, and we've never been that close since. And since that day, we haven't had a year. I'm gonna say we haven't had a year where our profits haven't grown. That's not quite true because we, are, we were probably 25% down in COVID years, two COVID years. But we've had year on year effective growth since that day in 1989. And that's something special. And of course, Sky came the next year Eubank became a superstar. Television was saying to me, we need events because there's not enough events to go on the hours we have to fill. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, Baza was the flavor de la (laughs) marte.
1: Ellie here. I hope you enjoyed another incredible episode of the On A Mission podcast. Did you know that every single one of our amazing shows is now on YouTube? So if like me, you prefer to watch things and really absorb the content that way, head over to our YouTube channel, make sure you hit subscribe and show us some love. Thanks guys.